If not, Kip, if you would, lead us the Lord in prayer. God, we come before you this evening, Lord. We thank you, God, for another opportunity, God, to be able to meet out in house one more time. Lord, we uh, pray, God, for uh, each and every one that's in the way of these storms that's coming through, Lord. Uh, I know there's a lot of destruction that's already happened, Lord, and I pray that you'd just be with each and every one of those families, Lord. And I pray, God, you'd be with the prayer request that was mentioned here tonight, Lord, as uh, it's already been mentioned, Lord, that uh, that weighs heavy on minds and hearts of a lot of folks, Lord. We just pray, God, that you just be with them, God. Uh, the results may come back, Lord, and it's not be nothing, Lord, because we know that you can take care of all of it. God, we pray, God, that you just be with this service, Lord, be with Brother Chris. Uh, God, as he goes through this Bible study, Lord, if we need to hear God and, and apply it to our lives, God, we pray, God, that you be with this conference, Lord, that we'd always conduct ourselves, Lord, the way that you'd have for us to be here at Kimbridge. And God, we just pray, God, that you just be with us as we make our way home this evening, God, to keep us all safe. All these things we ask in our name. Amen. Amen. John 6, and we're going to finish out uh, the rest of the chapter, and yeah, I am going to do that quickly. Uh, talked a lot about, we, we finished off and kind of left off with verse number 44 uh, last week, and then we, uh, we talked quite a bit about that uh, on Sunday morning as well. Uh, but we're going to read the, start at verse 44, and then we'll read about down to uh, 51, and then uh, get on through this. It says, No man can come unto me except the, uh, except the Father which hath uh, sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, uh, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he that, uh, he that hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth uh, on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the, uh, of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give uh, us of his flesh to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except uh, ye eat, <coughs> eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, uh, even he shall live by me. <clears throat> this is that bread which cometh down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat in the manna, uh, did eat manna, which, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These uh, things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And like I said, we talked about uh, last week and Sunday morning as well. We get back to this uh, uh, John 44 text right here that a lot of people talk about and are torn about. And like I said, this week, I, and I quoted this the other day, but if you go over to John 12, 30, uh, 31 and 32, the Bible says, Now this is the judgment of this world, not uh, now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and then if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And this is called, of course, the draw that we're talking about. And I, I wrote this down the other day, and I wanted to read this to you. I wrote this when I was studying through uh, and I kind of talked about this a little bit the other day, but what the text does and what the text does not say, 
Okay? Uh, so, and I pointed this out on Sunday morning. No man can come. Those are the two words that you need to focus on. No man can come. Can implies ability, and we always need to keep that in the forefront of our mind. Uh, because we can, because we have ability. Uh, so, ne- uh, so no man can come uh, to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Okay, and we've talked about this extensively uh, in a lot of different things. But no, what the scripture does not say is that they will not come uh, and, and will not, the context of will not is not in view here. Okay, so the Bible does not say that they will not come. It says that they can come. Okay, so it's implying that they have ability not that they have inability, okay? So will not is in view, is not in view. So they can come. This is, this is the context. This is what is in view. And it says, or, or uh, what I wrote right here says, can implies ability, uh, ability or enablement, okay? So we, we, we are enabled and empowered by the Spirit of God to come unto Christ by the draw, okay? What is the draw? We've defined the draw. The draw is Calvary, Okay. Uh, and so we have this, this broad view that we've painted right here. So John 12, 32, Calvary necessitates enablement. Okay, so if we have something that's a necessity, that means that we can't have it any other way. Okay, so Chris Gilbert, myself, I could exist or could not exist, but I don't have to exist by necessity. Okay, I exist certainly, but I don't exist necessarily. Okay, I don't have to exist. Uh, and that's the difference between something being certain and something being necessary, okay? I don't have to be here, uh, but for salvation to be true, Christ has to be a necessity, okay? And therefore, because Christ is a necessity, Calvary is also a necessity. So Christ is the only certain necessity that this world has, okay? I'm known with certainty, but I'm absolutely not a necessity. And uh, listen, I'm leveraging this on myself, and I'll put this back on you. Uh, None of us here are a necessity, okay? God didn't need any of this. Uh, Listen, it wasn't necessary for any of us, but we are privileged to be here, okay? Uh, And God uses us through the opportunity, through this preaching, through the singing, through the teaching, uh, and through the gospel church uh, to bring lost people into him. Yeah. Okay? Uh, so it says the initiation. Uh, uh, so this is the initiation that we talked about. And it's imperative that humanity hear, learn, and believe. And I want to talk about this uh, as we go on to verse number 45. The Bible says it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Every man therefore hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Okay? Now I want to stop right here and say this. So the Bible tells us, and I'm going to read this in Romans chapter number 10. This uh, Roman study uh, that we went through uh, uh, several months ago really ties in uh, quite nicely with a lot of stuff that we're going through right here. But Romans 10, 9 and 10, uh, this is a familiar passage. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Okay, these are thou shalts. These are commands. These are not offerings, these are not good twos, these are not recommendations, these are thou shouts, okay? You look in the thou shouts of the Old Testament and you'll find the Ten Commandments. Those are the clear black and whites of the scripture, okay? Uh, there, there, there is no negotiation, they're not subjective, they are absolutely objective. This is the truth. There's no, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Okay? So the Bible says, for uh, with, uh, uh, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this is the method of how somebody is saved, okay? So they believe in their heart, 
unto righteousness and with their mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believe if somebody's truly been saved by the grace of God, they'll have a voice for the Lord. Amen. They will witness it. Their life will bear a, a fruit of the testimony that they have. Okay. It says, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord uh, over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, and this is what I wanted to get to. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay, now this plays back into what we've just talked about, about the draw. Okay, uh, listen, so there is... a. Uh, uh, can come is the ability, okay? Uh, and so uh, Paul raises the questions right here. He says, how then uh, shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How, the how is answered in John chapter 6. How can they call is because they are drawn. How are they drawn is, uh, uh, is, is typified in John 12 when he said, if I, if I be lifted up to the earth, I will draw all men unto me. First Peter chapter 1 verse number 3. Uh, it, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. That is God's method. That is God's plan. That is God's draw. That is God's initiation. It is for every man, woman, boy, and girl to be saved, okay? That is God's perfect will. That is God's perfect plan. Is that how things will be? And is that how things are going to go? No. It's not. Why are things not going to be that way and why will things not go that way is because of the free agency of man. Man has the ability because they can. Man, therefore, the ability to come is also the ability to not come. Okay? Uh, so, friends, listen, we have a multitude of people. And as we look in this diverse community in the United States and across this globe that we live in, we see that the vast majority and the overwhelming masses of the population have rejected Christ. They've rejected the cross of Calvary. They've rejected the scripture. They've walked away from everything. Uh, but the Bible tells us here that they are without excuse. They have nothing to lean on, okay? We have the gospel that has been presented to them. The draw has been initiated. Christ has finished everything on the cross, and he declared it so. It is finished. How then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear Without a preacher. And I want to stop and talk about this for just a few minutes because there's a lot of people that would define uh, the word preacher right here as a man that stands behind a book board. Uh, listen, he carries a Bible and he wears a tie, okay? Who is the preacher? Who is the preacher? I'm not the preacher. The preacher is the Spirit of God. Okay, and, and every Bible-born believing Christian needs to affirm that the preacher, in its essence, is God himself, the Holy Spirit. Okay, and the Holy Spirit, through the call, then falls upon a man and enables him uh, to, pro to proclaim God's word and truth and gospel. But the preacher, in its essence and in its core, is the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, and a lot of people have taken and they said, well, uh, the preacher is a man that stands in the place and he does this. And listen, what we've done is we've marked the signpost. Uh, listen, but we have not marked. 
marked the maker, okay? The, the mark of the maker is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the preacher, okay? Uh, he is the one that moves. He is the one that draws. He is the one that convicts. He is the one that saves and seals. It is the Holy Spirit of God. And he chooses to do that through the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness is not the preaching. The foolishness is not the preacher. The foolishness is me. Okay, he takes a house of clay that is deplorable and, and wicked and hell and sin cursed and hell bound. He revives and saves because I've cast my allegiance to him. And when we yield to the king, he will therefore send his call upon every one of us. Okay, listen. He didn't call us, he didn't save us, and listen, you've heard this your whole life, I know. He didn't save us to call, uh, to, to, to have us just to, to, to sit down and do nothing. No, there is a work, there's an operation, there's a service, there's a place for everybody in God's kingdom. And it's up to us to submit ourselves unto the call of God and figure out exactly what that is. Okay, now listen. How shall they preach except to be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the, uh, are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of, uh, of good things. Uh, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith cometh by hearing. Okay? Now let's listen uh, to what John writes to us in 645. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Okay, so what is this teaching of God? This is the proclamation, the preaching, okay? This is the preaching that Paul is later uh, talking about in, in Romans chapter number 10. This is the preaching that they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, hath heard. Okay, so let's remember what he said now. Now, faith cometh by hearing, okay? Uh, so if they're taught, if the gospel is preached... Then what comes? And hath learned of the Father, they come unto me. Okay? So listen, this is a parallel of what Paul has preached to us and told us about, about this doctrine of salvation in the, in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay? So listen, it's a huge circle. And this is the circle in which God operates in, and God has authorized, and God is sovereign, and God is providential, and all these things. Okay, so the Bible says, now listen, and they are, are taught of God, every man therefore hath heard and hath learned of the Father, okay, they will come, they cometh unto me, okay, so this is what he's saying, okay, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, so when the gospel comes to us, we talked about this and preached about this on Sunday morning through the process of conviction of, uh, of a child or an adult, either one. Friends, listen, when, that, when the fullness of that conviction is reached, that's, that's when the, the gospel has reached its climax in a, in a person and an individual's life, and they realize that they're guilty before God. And when they realize their guilt, and when they, listen, I know personally for myself, friends, listen, 
as an eight-year-old child in Hendersonville, North Carolina, in the altar of Beulah Baptist Church, I realized that I was a guilty sinner worthy and punishable of eternity in a separated state from God in a place called hell. And I run graciously and mercifully. Uh, friends, listen to the place where I knew that I could find refuge and help and peace and mercy. And I know that you did too. That's what I ran to. I ran there because I had provision of Calvary. You got saved because of the draw of Calvary. Any man, woman, boy, or girl that gets saved, that's the reason that they will get saved. There is no other reason. <laughs> it says, Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, they come to me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save <laughs> he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. And this is Christ speaking in third person right here when he makes reference to he. He's talking about himself. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Now listen, in verse number 48, he said, I am the bread of life. And we go all the way back to the beginning of John chapter number 6. And we remember what he did. He took the five loaves and the two fishes. He blessed them. He multiplied them. And he distributed them. Okay? I, listen. What he's saying. He's saying, listen. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, which was a provision for 40 years. Their shoes never wore out. They never ran out of food. God was a place of security and provision for those people. Uh, but he said, now listen. Those people died. And they're dead to this day. But he said, eat of the bread that I shall give you because I am the bread of life and you shall never die. Amen. So this is the cry of Christ. I am the bread of life. And it resonates all through John chapter number 6. Now listen. <laughs> he said, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and they're dead. We've already said that. So friends, listen. Uh, the same thing happens to, to people... Uh, listen, just as the fathers died and perished in the wilderness, you know why? Do you remember why they perished in the wilderness? It's because they did not believe. They did not believe in the provision that God had provided them. He told them to go take Canaan, didn't he? Yeah. He sent 12 spies over there. Ten came back with a negative report. Joshua and Caleb came loping over the hill because they were dragging behind, because they were dragging fruit from the land of Canaan. Between arm and arm, they had a vine of grapes. And they said, look at the plentiful food that God has provided for us. And he said, now listen, God has given it. Let us go take it. And listen, they had the detractors over there, the rebels, the rebels, the rebels of the wilderness. Friends, listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. If the church is going to have to contend and deal with something today, it's the rebels that are in the church. Okay? I, listen, our churches, listen, I, I, you've been, you have heard this preach your whole life. But I'm telling you something, you, if you'll stop and if you'll look around, you can do more than hear it. Now you can see the rebels in the church. Okay? I, listen, they are visible with our eyes. And friends, listen, I want to tell you something. It's not the church's objective and mission uh, to call these people out that we see. It's not to cast them aside, but it's to deal with them and to stay in the condition that would draw them to the cross of Calvary. I want them to get saved. If they're not saved, I want them to get saved. Okay? And there's a lot of people today, well, they say, well, I, listen, I, I can do whatever I want, live however I please. I'm going to tell you something. I beg to differ with the Word of God. 
Okay? <clears throat> that may be what you think, but that's not what the Word of God says. Okay? I know, listen, I know that we have uh, those that are, that are wayfaring. And listen, those who are walking the edge of the kingdom over here, and they're looking out over the sea, and they see these uh, lustful temptations, and they, they fall into diverse temptations, and they fall after lust, and they consume them, and they live in a, in a state of sin. But I'm going to tell you something. You want to know what the fruit of a Christian is? The Holy Spirit of God will not let you reside in sin. There will be a pull, there will be a tug, there will be conviction and condemnation to drive you to a state of repentance. For every David, there is a Nathan. Okay? Uh, for every David, I want you to hear me, for every David, there is a Nathan for the child of God. And I'm going to tell you something, the latter half of the child of God uh, that has chosen to live their lives that way, I'm telling you, uh, listen, I've got a lot of things in my life that I'll never shed, that I'll never get rid of. Uh, listen, I don't know the impact that is done to my ministry. I really don't. I don't know the full ordered effects of the, of the lives that I lived in the years of sin. But I tell you this, I, I'm glad that God brought me to a place. I'm glad that there was a Nathan in my life that called me out of where I was and brought me to where I am. Okay? But I can promise you this. David never uh, was afforded the opportunity to build the kingdom. Listen, his heart's desire was to build God a tabernacle, a kingdom, a place where God could reside with his people. But the Bible says that the sword dwelled in his house all of his days. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I said a few months ago that I was going to start preaching on sanctification. Amen. So you better tear the band-aid off because the salt is coming. Amen. Uh, listen, I'm telling you something. The children of God today, we need to understand. Uh, listen, uh, we are living on the precipice. Uh, uh, listen, and I've said this, uh, friends, listen, we, we're, uh, the, we as a society and a culture today, we're on the fringe that could go one way or the other. We could ever have a, a great revival or we're going to have a civil war. That's where we are. And what I, well, listen, this is what I want. I want God's children to pray and seek after revival instead of blood. Well, preacher, I don't uh, agree with them. <clears throat> and I, I don't agree with anything that they say. Let me tell you something. I don't either. Okay? But you know what? You know what I want more, listen, than to put them down and to destroy them and strike up a civil war? I want Jesus to be so prevalent and moving so fiercely among this nation that it drives us all to a state of prayer and a place of revival where lost men, women, boys, and girls can come running to the cross of Calvary. That's where my heart is. That's what I want to see. But friends, listen, this, this is where we stand. This is where we are, okay? This is not, and listen, uh, you, you've heard this said, listen, I've said it for a, lot, a number of years from the pulpit that such and such is coming, okay? It's not coming, it's here. And it's not in Atlanta. It's in Gainesville. It's in Dahlonega. It's in Cleveland. It's in Forsyth County. Friends, listen to me. Uh, listen, it is in our back door. It is in our school systems. Okay? 
And friends, listen, it's time that Christians today that we unite, uh, listen to me, and take our, listen, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 6, I'm getting there. Ephesians chapter number 6, he said this, he said, for we war not, we battle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this present world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, okay? We're not warring against flesh and blood. Paul, uh, he brings that to the forefront. Listen, don't fight your brother. We're fighting the enemy, okay? And the only way that we can see the enemy is to study the Word of God, okay? Uh, friends, listen, because there's a lot of people listen. They, they, they frown and they look down on studying the Word of God. And I've never figured that out. I, I don't know why. But friends, listen to me. I, I'm telling you something. It's time that the church of God, that we take the Word of God and we go through it verse by verse by verse and see what the riches of the Word of God speak to His people. So listen, he said, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that any man that eat thereof uh, that he did not die. He said, I am that living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So now he's talking about, he said, now listen. He said, this living bread is my body. It's my body which is broken for you and this blood which is shed for you. Okay? So this is a, this is a, a, a reach back to the Passover once again. The Passover. Uh, listen, uh, uh, as John writes this gospel, the Passover, the Exodus Passover, and the narrative of the Passover is poured into this. And this is what he's because listen, we don't have uh, we don't have Jewish minds that are rewound two thousand years ago. The only thing that we know, uh, listen, is Fox News and CNN and Sports Center. Okay, uh, listen, uh, and that's probably that's probably uh, remin- uh, most people in here. I'd say that's. Uh, uh, our raising, okay? But today, it's not even that. It's Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. We're, we're talking about a different generation. Listen, they live different than we do. They're growing up different than we are. And listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. Just because they're my children, I'm not saying this, but my children are growing up in a different, your children are growing up in a different generation. They do things different. They interact differently, okay? Uh, listen to me. And we can sit here and criticize it. We can call it right and we can call it wrong. Uh, listen to me. Or we can, uh, we can uh, adapt where they are, realize where they are, and try and reach them for Jesus exactly where they are. Let me tell you something. This has been the downfall of the church is we've made a declaration of right and wrong and we would rather be right than reach people for Jesus. And oh me. I say that to myself. Oh me. Let's reach people for Christ. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Uh, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, ye have no life in you. Okay? I, and this is, a, this is a, a, a statement looking back to the incarnation that he makes uh, in the first chapter. Okay? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him there is nothing made that is made. Verse 14, all things. All right, listen. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. 
as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And he says, now listen, I, this body is broken for you. This blood is shed from you. And he says, if you'll eat of this body and drink of this blood, hallelujah, you can live forever. Amen. Amen. I can't help but preach a little bit. Amen. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Amen. Aren't you glad that we have the promise of eternal life? Amen. Because we are justified in him. We are sanctified in him. We will be glorified in him. My salvation is sure because he is sure. My salvation is not taken from me. It's not performance or perfection. It's not these things, these attributes of righteousness that I can add, but it's holy and solistically founded in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Timothy said, the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And listen to me, friends. There is no fault. Listen to me. God's kingdom is not revolving around Donald Trump or the Republican Party or their election of 2020. Our friends, listen to me. God's sovereignty, God's providential rule and reign over this present world. Our friends, it's not contingent on what I think and what I do. God's kingdom stands sure and sufficient. That's why I'm saved, and I know that I'm saved, and that's why I know that my salvation is eternal, and it is secure, because my allegiance is in Him. I stand in His kingdom. And thank God, friends, tonight, listen, that we can have blessed assurance. Okay? What a song. We can have blessed assurance. Amen. When we stand in fellowship with the high king of heaven. Okay? And and we stand in communion with him. I listen and we eat his flesh. Okay? We eat his flesh. What what in symbolism of the Christian today, what is eating his flesh? It's taking the word of God. And it's eating it. Studying and is praying over it. And thank God that when we drink his blood, his blood, listen, covers all of our sins. I'm glad, friends, listen to me. This is why we have eternal life. For my flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth of my flesh and drinketh of my blood dwelleth to me, and I in him. As the Father, uh, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even uh, he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. Uh, he that eateth of this bread shall, shall live forever. Okay? Shall. Anytime you see a shall in the word of God, it is absolutely concrete fact. Okay, when, G, when, when God gave the commands to Moses on Mount Sinai and he said that and he gave the ten thou shouts, uh, friends, sister, I mean, there is, uh, you can argue over the gray area all you want to, but when the word of God tells us something definitively in black and white, okay, uh, listen, it is an absolute surety and we can attest to that, okay, and I'm glad that we have a, a, a thou shalt, a surety, a claim of surety on security. Friends, th- listen, I'm glad that we can stand confident in Christ. Yeah. 
Okay, I, there's, a not, there's a lot of people today, uh, and I believe that uh, overwhelmingly the church is full of them. Listen, they come to the altar, and I'm not begrudging coming to the altar. I wish more people would come to the altar. But friends, listen to me. I believe that they live in a state of unrest. They can't find peace. They can't find joy. They can't find happiness because they don't feel like they're being righteous enough. And listen to me. Uh, God help me uh, because I've done it. I've been an advocate of it over the years, and I'm trying my best to change it. Amen. Uh, listen, is that we've inflicted upon God's people this thought and this ideology that you have to be righteous to be saved. Amen. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You have to be saved. Saved to be righteous. That's why, listen, Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Okay? Not when you were good. Not when you're saved. Not when you're trying to do good. Not when you're preaching. Not when you're serving. Not when you're singing. But when you're a sinner. Christ loved you. And he died for you. Okay? Stand in allegiance under his kingdom. Amen. Now the fruits of righteousness should follow through faithful, obedient works as we serve Christ here in this present world. That's an absolute fact. Okay? But we're not saved by our righteous deeds or our righteous works. We do these righteous deeds and righteous works to show our allegiance to our king, to show obedience unto him because we love him. Okay? I, listen, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. I, I done preached twice today. I, listen, I, he called me early this morning. I, listen, and uh, we was talking about the city of refuge. Amen. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, you missing the city of refuge, you just might as well prepare for a little bit of a sermonette at least. Okay? Uh, but I'm glad that we have a high priest. The book of Hebrews describes to us a priesthood that is eternal. That never perishes, that dies not. Amen. So listen, uh, when when you had a a murderer and you had an accuser that ran to a city of refuge, and after he was acquitted in the city of refuge, he and listen, his acquittal, his acquittal was intact so long as the high priest lived. Okay, and thank God we can run to the city of refuge. We have an eternal high priest who stands at our at and in our advocacy. Amen. He stands there continually. And we stand and abide in his kingdom. Okay? Listen to me. I don't want I listen to me. And this is where the church has gone wrong. Sometimes when we get to the city of refuge, when we get in the church, when we're saved, sometimes we forget where we are and why we're there. Okay, uh, listen, a lot of times we run around thinking we're the priest, okay? And, and, and we get to a point where we think, well, I'm here because, uh, because of my own personal self. But friends, listen, we're serving uh, at the liberty of the priest, okay? We're serving solely at the liberty of the priest. And our, and our salvation is sure and eternal because he is sure and he is eternal. Okay, getting on with this right here. <clears throat> Verse number 60. I'm going to finish this out. Many, therefore, of his disciples. Now listen to this. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, uh, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Okay, now I want you to pay attention to something here. The Bible calls these people disciples. Pay attention. 
Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? Read verse 45 again. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God, every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So these disciples, they said, who can hear this? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So friends, what we have here is we have a bunch of people who called themselves disciples because they wanted to eat the bread that he had turned uh, in uh, to, to feed the multitudes a day earlier. They wanted uh, to be a disciple of the man who turned the water into wine. They wanted to be a disciple of the man who, who healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. But when it got down to brass tacks, they didn't want to be a disciple of the man that said, I am the bread of life. So they said, who can hear it? I don't know about you. Listen, I can speak to this from personal experience. And listen, I'm not saying this uh, to, to gloat, boast in myself and in, in not in one oida. But listen, friends, listen, I have preached to the best of my ability the word of God and I have been met with wickedness and hatred against the preached word of God, okay? Let me tell you something. If you preach the word of God, if people don't agree with the word of God, it does not matter what they call themselves. It's what they are. Many of these disciples, they said, who can hear this? This is a hard saying, they said. I love this verse right here. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? I believe that's a question that needs to be asked in a modern uh, populous, uh, listen, I'm not just talking about Timbridge. I'm talking about the church. There's so many people, listen, I tell you what, I've never met more people today that get offended over everything. Okay? We get offended over everything. Okay? We, we've had to create, listen, I, I'm telling you something, uh, uh, especially uh, people who, who, who work uh, uh in the civil or a corporation, anything like that, I'm telling you something, things are getting to the point where you can't say anything. It's so strict and it's so rigid and we've got, we've got communities and, 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 and people assembled everywhere and all they're doing is policing offense. But friends, listen, I've said this many, many times. People that have no objective morality, and this, this rolls back into this whole thing right here, and you've heard me talk about this, and I don't mean to take up a lot of time, but objective morality is, is the subject of the term, okay, object. That means that we, our morality is based on an object. In, in Christianity, our object of morality is God, Okay. He is our object of, of morality. People of the world, 
They are subjective, okay? So what does that mean? That, that means they have no object to base morality on. Therefore, every circumstance is subjective. And because we have subjective morality on the rise is the reason that everybody's offended at everything, okay? It's because the object is not God anymore, okay? So listen, that's why when we have subjective morality, that's why people are offended by God, okay? It's because the object has now become their subject, okay? This is the state that we're living in. And like I said, this is not something that's coming. It's something that's here. When Jesus, therefore, knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Did this offend you? Uh, what and if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? And this is a prophetic event speaking about Acts chapter 2. Is it the spirit that quickeneth? The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were <clears throat> that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Okay? So now listen, now we have a 65 as a reference back to 44. And the 65... Reference back to 44 ties in with verse number 45. Those that hear, those that learn will come. Okay? Uh, so listen, now having that in the back of our mind, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They left. Okay? I'm telling you something. There's a lot of people today. They have a profession, but they've never had a conversion. Okay? They want the good things. But they, when it comes down to the hard sayings of the text, listen, I'm going to tell you, they said, they, we are built in carnality and, and wrapped in this flesh. And friends, listen, this flesh and this body, it desires and wants the things of the world. Okay, that's why Paul talks about every day. Listen, I, I tell you, I, I believe it's a dangerous state for Christians to, to live to a point and get to a point in their lives where they don't wake up every day and crucify the flesh to this world. I'm telling you something, friends. Listen, I, that's what Paul said. He said, I daily, I die daily. What does that mean? That means that he got up every morning, cast his allegiance to the king of heaven, because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in a David state. I call it a David state. Succumb to sin. And before, before long, when you find yourself in a David state, here comes Nathan. And judgment comes with it. <clears throat> then said Jesus unto the twelve. Okay, so now listen, I, I just want to bring this out in the forefront. When he mentions disciples, he's talking about everybody that was following him. Okay, so Jesus made these sayings in the midst of all the Jews. Uh, listen, he said, does this offend you? And obviously it did. Many of them left. Then he turns to the twelve. And he says, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? I love old Peter, don't you? 
He says, Then Simon Peter answered the Lord uh, uh, and said, To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Friends, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. Once you've made entrance into the city of refuge, I know what I left behind. Okay? I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back, and I'm glad that I, I, I can stay here, and this is what Peter, this is the declaration that Peter's made. Lord, where else would I go? And this is what is so profound after Jesus' crucifixion. Peter thought he had lost everything. Okay? When he said, I go a fishing, that was his answer to this question. All right? He rejected the Lord three times. They had crucified the Lord. And he thought, I have left, I have turned my back on the best thing that I've ever known. He said, I answered one time, Lord, to whom else would I go? He said, but Lord, I've forsaken you and I've left you behind. And he answered the question, he said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to be and do what I used to be and what I used to do. Jesus appeared on the seashore, said Peter. He throwed his net in the water, left his boat, jumped naked, the Bible says, into the sea and ran to the Savior. I'm telling you something, there's a place of repentance for God's children. Three times Jesus said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Okay? He said that three times. That was the offset of the three rejections at Calvary. Well, I'm glad that there's forgiveness in every aspect of our Christian walk in life. To whom else shall we go? To whom else shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is the devil? Speaking of Judas Iscariot, he spake, of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, uh, for he it was that should portray him being one of the twelve. And of course, we'll get into chapter 7 next week. Wasn't too bad.